With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hello there and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. We have a great show. I'm very excited. Keaton Weiss is here. He is uh, co-host of the show, Do Dissonance. Uh, it's always great when Keaton uh, drops by the show. So we're going to be bringing him in momentarily. Uh, a couple quick things to get through. First of all, a uh, heads up about what we have coming up next week. Great week. It's a great week. It's always a great week. But uh, uh, so Monday, we have our dear friend Kyle Anslone from Antiwar.com and the Libertarian Institute stopping by the show. Um, you guys know I love Kyle. On um, Tuesday, we have his pal and co-host of um, Conflicts of Interest, Connor Freeman, who also writes for the Libertarian Institute coming on. On Wednesday, we have my friend Sarah Higdon, um, who I haven't had on for a very long time, which I just realized and reached out to her. Um, she does fantastic work. She is a trans woman. She does a lot of work um, in a, an effort to protect women's sports and kids. Um, and she does a, a ton of stuff legislatively in Georgia and around the country. Um, so I'm very excited to check in with her, see what she's got coming up for this year. Uh, Thursday, Dave Benner. Uh, it's kind of a libertarian week next week. He's also uh, from the Libertarian Party. Uh, he does great work over there. And then Friday, which happens to be my birthday, everybody, uh, my friend Elizabeth Lee Voss from Consortium News will be joining us on the show. Obviously, lots to discuss there. She's done a great job on the Assange case, and we have big things coming up on that front. So uh, it's going to be a great week. Okay. Um, I also wanted to, this is just like a little personal aside here. Um, it won't matter to anybody, really, except for me. And maybe if you live in in central Ohio, you might be a little sad about this news as well. Uh, but uh, so it's called CD 92.9 right now. It's a local radio station uh, here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, it is departing the airwaves, unfortunately. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Little Misty, when I was in high school, uh, very desperately wanted to get into radio. Um, and uh, CD, it was called at the time, it was called CD 101. Uh, and CD 101 used to have a thing uh, called guest DJ for the day. Um, and so I signed up for that. They selected me. It was a lot of fun. I got to go hang out at the radio station uh, for a few hours. I got to do an hour on air. Um, the DJ I hung out with uh, at the time was Michael Palermo. I have no idea where he's at now, but if you're out there, Michael, hey, hi, shout out to you. Um, so uh, it was a lot of fun and they kind of ins um they kind of uh, fostered my love for radio. Obviously, <laughs> I did not go into radio immediately. It took me, uh, you know, 20 years or so to finally uh, get myself onto a, a radio station. <laughs> but uh, they are going off the air. Actually, I have right here. This is a little it's ridiculous because it's um. It's a CB radio, uh, but this is a little, tro they gave you a little trophy when you were guest DJ for the day. And that was on um, April 23rd, 1999. I'm totally aging myself. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, but CD 101, CD 92.9 is going off the air. It's a very sad day. A lot of independent, or I'm sorry, uh, this is like a... Um, uh, independently operated radio station. A lot of these obviously are going out of business. That's unfortunate with Sirius XM and satellite radio and all of that stuff kind of taking over the airwaves. Um, it's become really difficult for, uh, you know, these kind of local stations to hang in there. Uh, they did a lot of ton, uh, a, a lot, a ton of stuff um, over the years for charities. They had, um, uh, a bunch of Andy Manathons, which was one of the DJs there. He would do like 24 hours straight on the air uh, and raise money for charity and all of that stuff. They used to have these fabulous things. Oh, they were so fun. It was called The Big Room, and they would have, when there were uh, different acts, different bands coming through uh, Columbus to perform, they would have them come into CD 101 at the radio station, come into this big uh, 
big room uh, and they would perform acoustically and you could uh, uh, win tickets to come and see your favorite band. I got to go to several of those um, and they were a lot of fun as well. So uh, just really unfortunate. It made me a little sad today when I saw that. They just posted this three hours ago. Um, so shout out to CD101. Uh, appreciate you letting me come in as a little <laughs> high school senior. I skipped school that day uh, to go and do that. But um, yeah, they let me come in and hang out with them. And it was, uh, it was very cool. Very nice of them. Uh, and I, uh, I'm sad to see them go. Um, okay. I also just wanted to really quickly mention, I'm going to cover this in more detail next week as I kind of get my head wrapped around it. Um, but I just want to give a huge shout out to Max Blumenthal and Aaron Mate over at the gray zone. They have been doing an unbelievable job uh, there's this new New York Times piece out there, um, uh, screams without words or whatever. It's supposed it's about the supposed uh, mass rape allegations that Hamas raped a bunch of women on uh, October seventh, uh, and they are using uh, just they lied to one of the uh, uh, families about the nature of the article that they were writing. They are using places like Zaka for evidence and all of that stuff. And this is a really difficult subject matter for anybody to touch and try to debunk, uh, in particular two dudes. Uh, but Max and Aaron have been doing a really fantastic job. They have a live stream up where they go through a lot of the allegations. They also have obviously some articles up over at the gray zone. Uh, highly recommend checking those out. I'm going to get my head wrapped around a lot more of the details. I might even see if I can get either Max or Aaron to come on, uh, and discuss it. But, uh, it, it's, they're definitely doing some really fantastic work over there. So uh, check that out. I just wanted to give them a shout out because that is uh, that's tough. <laughs> that's a tough, tough subject matter for those two guys to be tackling. And they're doing really solid work on it. So, um, OK, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write up for the guests of the day every day. So you can find, follow and support their work as well. And shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live. If you have a guest idea or show idea, totally open to that. Or if you just want to rant or you have a question. Uh, I will try to get back to you on those as well. And at TNT, we never go home. We are committed to bringing our take on the biggest topics of the time. Uh, we broadcast live 24-7 online globally, no matter what. We've got you covered on today's News Talk. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. All right. First of all, I feel like I should apologize. My eyes are very watery for some reason. So if I keep going like this, I don't know what's going on. It's driving me crazy, though, a little bit. Um, OK, so on Thursday, a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad killed a senior leader uh, of an Iraqi militia faction that the U.S. military says was plotting to attack U.S. forces stationed throughout the Middle East country, Middle Eastern country. Good Lord, I'm glad it's Friday. Uh, all right. So here at this story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. All right, my friend, what's going on here? Well, I mean, we're just we got to do everything we can to escalate things that could yeah. eventually lead to a full blown regional war this time in Iraq, of all places. Like, come on, what are we doing? This is crazy. Yeah, didn't see this one coming. I mean, in the middle of everything else. Why this? All right. So here's the story. Uh, the the Pentagon press secretary, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, yesterday on a Thursday announced that a U.S. airstrike had killed. Oh, boy. Mushtaq Jawad Kazim al-Jawari also known nice. as Abu Taqwa. Thank you. Uh, this is, <laughs> he's a leader within, here we go, Farakat Hezbollah al-Nujaba. This is H-A-N or Han. I'll call it H-A-N because uh, everything has to be, you know, an, an acronym, right, or whatever that's called. Uh, so Han, H-A-N, has been affiliated in the past with Iraq's 
Popular Mobilization Forces, or PMF, which is an Iraqi state-sponsored umbrella organization overseeing several different militia factions. The PMF was initially formed in 2014 to oversee the various Iraqi factions battling the internationally designated terrorist group, everyone's favorite, ISIS, though some PMF factions have clashed with U.S. forces in Iraq over the years. Uh-oh. We have this coming from the Brigadier General, writer, quote, Abu Taqwa was actively involved in planning and carrying out attacks against American personnel. The strike also killed another HAN member. It is important to note that the strike was taken in self-defense, that no civilians were harmed and that no infrastructure or facilities were struck, end quote. All right. Way to go, America. Uh, Brigadier General Ryder repeatedly declined to provide details about the exact nature of the threat. The U.S. military assessed that Mr. Abu Taqwa posed to the U.S. forces hanging out in the region. Uh, maybe they shouldn't be there. Anyway, uh, the Pentagon spokesman described HAN as an Iranian proxy group. Of course, the U.S. military has assessed Iraqi factions backed by Iran have been responsible for dozens of drone and missile attacks targeting U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria, where they totally belong. Since October 17th, these attacks targeting U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria came just days after members of Hamas did the thing on October 7th. Um, of course, we, we all know uh, the U.S. State Department. As far as Han is concerned, H.A.N., they are designated, they've been classified uh, as a specially designated global terrorist. Ooh, that's a mouthful. That was in 2019 under President Donald Trump's administration. It's quite the label. Uh, a March 5th, 2019 State Department press release states that HAN had close ties with Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps leader. Ah, ha, ha. Here's that name. Qasem Soleimani. That's right. Who was killed in a U.S. airstrike ordered by Trump on January 3rd, 2020, while traveling with another PMF leader, one Ab Abu Mahdi al-Mahandis. Uh, Mr. Abu Taqwa's death comes just one day after the fourth anniversary of the U.S. strike that killed Soleimani. And of course, we all know, uh, in case you missed it, there was uh, some violent uh, explosions that took place at the ceremony there. Um, so we have all this going on all at the same time. Methinks they really, really, really want to start World War III uh, before too long into the new year here. Misty, what do you think? Oh, yeah. It looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it's really difficult to come to any other conclusion based on uh, the current goings on in the region. This is, as you said, insane. This is insane, Adam. It's insane. I, I, I don't really, I don't know. Um, obviously, these are not um, mentally well people. I think that they have proven themselves time and time again to be uh, a little off their rockers. Um, so I, I just I don't know to what end this is supposed to uh, benefit anybody uh, unless, as you said, the goal here is to start World War Three. Because listen, frankly, and I've, I've talked about this before. I think we've already been in World War Three for some time now as Marshall McLuhan, who I, I will say again, if you don't know who Marshall McLuhan is, go check him out. Uh, he's kind of the godfather of. 
uh, media studies, propaganda studies, that kind of a thing. Uh, I'm it, it's kind of right up my alley. But he is he he said uh, a long time ago that, um, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the direct qu- quote right in front of me that uh, World War Three will be an information war with no uh, distinction between civilian and military forces. And so I think I mean if you look at just uh, the the environment that we have been in for some time now, really, um, I think that we've already been in World War Three. But this is this moves it from an information war into something much more dangerous. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that the, the region's already in a very precarious situation, obviously with the Israel-Gaza situation. Israel is desperate to start something with Iran. They have been for a very long time. And frankly, the United States has been too. Um, so yeah, I think that this is a, a pretty clear escalation. It's um, terrifying. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Adam. This seems like... Um, Everybody just needs to buckle up. I know I already said that once before. Uh, we're already we're only in the fifth day of the year, and I think I've already said that once or twice on the show. Uh, but yeah, this is this could get, and I mean, really already has gotten um, out of hand. But I think this could really escalate into something incredibly dangerous. Um, and I just I don't even know. I honestly I'm out of words. I don't know what to say. This is a uh, uh, pure insanity. This is um, it benefits really no one except for people in power, which all wars. That's the reality of the situation. Uh, but what do you think, Adam? I mean, listen, surely this is fine, y'all. I mean, it's it's fine. What What could possibly go wrong here? Well, if I was the country of Iran, I would be starting to think, am I being targeted by uh, Western intelligence and and countries such as the United States? And, you know, the other one that we won't mention because I don't want to get canceled. I'm just kidding. But, you know, countries like Israel, they've known to do all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, the the talk already came out after that explosion, those two, the series of explosions at the Soleimani uh, ceremony. They're like, oh, was was Israel behind this? And, you know, Israel said it wasn't us. And like, was U.S. behind it? The U.S. like wasn't us. And it wasn't Israel either. That was the funny part. Like U.S. said yeah, it wasn't <laughs> us. But also at the same time, it wasn't Israel. And I'm like, how many countries do you speak for, my dude? Um, anyways, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, it appears that they're, they're poking the stick hard and fast and furious at Iran. I think Iran yeah. is the end goal here. It's not no coincidence in my mind that there's this second, you know, here we have another reference to Soleimani. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then it's also interesting, you know, you bring like people like, oh, the, the world is the, the America, Biden, this, but no, America does what America does. Doesn't matter who's in charge. They do the horrible stuff under Trump, under Biden, under Bush, under Obama. And nothing changes when it comes to our, our geopolitical. Um, I don't even call that geopolitics. We just want war. We just want to kill everybody. And then, you know, it's party time, as our friend Hervori Morich might call it a party. Yeah. Yes. And that's thank you for bringing that up, because that is the reality of the situation. People like to pretend as if who the president is matters. It does not. Um, uh, On matters of war and Wall Street, it's one party with one agenda. And that agenda marches forward regardless of who sits in the Oval Office. Everything else is just used as a distraction. Uh, The only difference between the the two parties is the demographic to which they pander to. That's really the only difference between the two. A little bit of difference in uh, some donor money that comes in, but not really. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, big tech might 
might focus a little bit more on Democrats and maybe big oil focuses a little bit more on Republicans. But generally speaking, they're all owned and operated by the exact same people. They all have the same agenda in terms of uh, foreign policy and economics and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, this whole idea that uh, who you vote for for president is going to matter or make a difference on these issues is just absurd. It's just it, it's not reality. Uh, uh, this stuff happens regardless of who. And I don't know if anything could make it more apparent that who the president is doesn't matter than Joe Biden. Dude's not making any decisions at all whatsoever. He is, it's weekend at Bernie's over there. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I wish people would snap out of that and recognize that um, your government is not, uh, doesn't work for you. It doesn't matter who the president is nothing more than uh, a figurehead, a puppet, uh, the, the face presented to you. Um, and there's a whole lot of people working behind the scenes that actually run things over there. So, um, okay, Adam, thanks for bringing us this story. Have a great week and we will talk to you again on Monday. Hang tight. We're going to be back with Keaton Weiss right after this here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there and Biden was behind it pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. To, I bet you more than fifty percent didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. since since well under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world. These people are at, have been after Israel forever, and and uh, supported by Iran and billions of dollars going their way, and uh, to help them, uh, you know, basically. Uh, create chaos in the Middle East, terrorism, and, and we saw what happened earlier this year, about a month ago, uh, the two went attack in Israel and the death and destruction, rape and kidnapping, more than 240 people kidnapped. Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. All right, y'all. As promised, our guest today is my pal, Keaton Weiss. Keaton is one half of the incredible show, Do Dissidents. You can find the show on various platforms, including YouTube, Rumble, Rockfin, and Facebook, as well as podcast apps. Uh, you can also check them out on Substack, and you can follow on Twitter at Do Dissidents. And of course, you can find links to all of that stuff over on my Substack as well. Uh, Keaton, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me back. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's always good, good to, to see have you, you on actually. The show. It's my first time being on the show since you guys got the video going. So that's great. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's uh it's different for sure. I can't do the show in my jammies anymore, Keaton. I don't know how I, I feel know. about that. all right so there's a lot going on obviously as there always is um so let's start by making fun of alan dershowitz shall we because my guy 
is stepping all over himself um, on various fronts. And it's uh, fascinating to watch. My favorite one, I think, um, is where he tried to justify the fact that he is uh, heavily affiliated with Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, I think he was mentioned in the recent releases um, over 137 times already. And that's just from what's been released so far. And he tried to distract away from that by doing the but Hamas thing. <laughs> what the heck, yes. Keaton? <laughs> do you condemn Hamas? I have to teach yeah. that to my kids for when they go to school and the teacher says, you know, hey, Beckett, you didn't share your toys very well this afternoon. He's like, well, I don't hear you condemning Hamas. So, right. you know, why don't you leave me alone? Why don't you go condemn Hamas and then talk to me about how I didn't share my toys? It's a useful yeah. skill in life. Apparently, you know, if we are to uh, look to these people as role models, you know, I mean, Dershowitz uh, has certainly been a you know success Ivy League you know lawyer uh, Yale graduate um, you know we should we should learn from the best we should follow his example whenever anybody's accused of anything now we should just obviously deflect to but do you condemn Hamas I don't hear the radical feminists who are upset about my very credible accusations of having repeatedly raped underage sex slaves, those radical woke feminists who are upset about that, because those are the only people who could possibly be upset about that are woke right. radical feminists, right? No normies mm -hmm. minds, you know, that I repeatedly raped an underage trafficking victim. Um, but to those radical feminists who are upset about that, I should remind you, um, that Hamas has always has also been accused uh, of rape, and uh, you don't seem to mind that very much. That is a stunning defense. Uh, this legal case that South Africa brought against Israel should be a real doozy because it's kind of this amazing collision of circumstances where the Epstein list was put out. Um, Dershowitz is, yes, as you mentioned, named, but he is accused very, very credibly in this document of having repeatedly raped an underage girl in numerous locations, New York, New Mexico, Virgin Islands, on airplanes. Um, and uh, it is this same week that he has been chosen by Israel to represent them in a case before the International Court of Justice that South Africa has brought against them, accusing them of genocide. And so Dershowitz will be both their defense lawyer and I guess their character witness um, on, I believe, January 10th, 11th or 12th. I, th I know the 11th is one of the days. It's either the 10th or the 11th or the 11th and 12th. But you talk about an amazing uh, and unfortunate coincidence that your defense lawyer before an international court gets credibly accused uh, of raping an underage trafficking victim uh, the week before he is set to talk about how, no, no, Israel is not doing anything wrong in Gaza. Right. And first of all, why Alan Dershowitz? It's very strange to me that that's who they chose to represent them in this case. Do you not have any lawyers in Israel? It's a very strange uh, choice of people yeah. to uh, to be representing them. But you're and yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, th th and this is not new. I mean, Alan Dershowitz has been mentioned around surrounding the Epstein stuff for a very long time. I mean, he mm -hmm. uh, very openly uh, defended uh, Jeffrey Epstein, which I don't fault him yes. for that. He is an attorney. Uh, that is your job is to represent people guilty or innocent. That's just the job. So I don't fault him for that necessarily. Um, but what I do fault him for is, as you said, the very credible accusations, not one, not two, multiple credible accusations that have been levied against him over the years, um, as you said, of uh, raping children, 
uh, uh, sex trafficking victims. Uh, and again, those are allegations. Don't come for me. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, this in the idea that he that and the but Hamas thing makes me laugh because uh, not too long ago, Keaton, I made a joke about it on Twitter. It was uh, but Putin, Putin. It was Putin's fault. Everything was Putin's fault. And now it seems like we've shifted gears and now everything is Hamas's fault because I said at the time, um, you know, are we are we at a point now where we're just blaming Putin for everything? Because I have some uh, late nights and bad decisions that I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't mind blaming on somebody else. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to see how this is now being uh, uh, the way that it's being used um, to deflect away from something as atrocious as, uh, you know, raping underage uh, girls um, is, oh, yeah, but do you condemn Hamas? I mean, what a bizarre and this is coming from a lawyer. What a bizarre position to take on national television, right? Yeah, no, we covered that on our show this morning. It's just incredible. I mean, it's just really amazing. And, you know, look, I mean, in Dershowitz's case, it's particularly outrageous because of who he is and what he has been very, very credibly alleged to have done. Um, but this does just speak to a certain arrogance um, that uh, not only those in the Israeli government have, but that a lot of Israelis have. And I say this as a Jewish man myself, many Jews have. Um, they operate with this assumption uh, that the world is going to sympathize uh, with them. And the world has not sympathized with them to the extent that they expected, because the world is not as brainwashed as many Jews in America are, um, or as many non-Jews here in America still are. Um, you know, we all understand the reality in Gaza and in the West Bank before October 7th. Uh, we all understand that the October 7th attacks were not unprovoked. Um, this is not to defend those attacks. I think all, you know, war is obscene. I think violence is tragic. Um, I never want to see any non-combatants hurt, certainly not children's hurt. Um, but it's no mystery um, how something like that comes to be. You know, yeah. when you lock a population in an open air concentration camp and doom them to a life of aimlessness and misery at best, violent persecution at worst, um, they are left with the choice, do we rot and die in a jail that we were born into, or do we revolt? And yeah. this it, this constant invocation of Hamas, this constant insistence that we all condemn Hamas, um, is just born of a certain arrogance and born of a certain ignorance uh, of the people who they are trying very, very hard to insist that they take their side. If Israel were in the right, would it be this hard to get people to condemn Hamas? Like, would they exactly. have to keep begging you to condemn Hamas if they were really in the right? Yeah, that's a great point. And I, we got to take a quick break and get headlines. But I want to dive into that a little bit because the um, uh, I think there's a, a lot has happened um, over the course of this situation, uh, in particular, this flare up of this situation, because there's been numerous times where there's been situations where uh, things have gotten really heated before. But I, this one feels incredibly different. And I want to dive into that a little bit because I feel like it's significant. So let's take a quick break and get headlines. We'll be right back here on TNT. Great news. Good news, everyone. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. A United States B-1B Lancer bomber, a key asset in America's strategic bomber fleet, encountered a crash near Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota. 
The White House has reported that Russia has commenced utilizing North Korean ballistic missiles in its conflict with Ukraine. U.S. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller indicated that American military support for Ukraine might eventually reduce, especially once Ukraine becomes self-sufficient. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yes, please. Go wherever you're watching, listening, whatever. Go comment, um, subscribe, like, share, all of that stuff. It helps algorithmically on all of the various platforms. So uh, that's uh, super helpful for us. Um, Okay, so we're here with Keaton Weiss. We're going to talk a little bit now about um, uh, the significance of what's happening in Gaza this time around. And I feel like, um, and I've spoken about this several times on the show, so forgive me if you've heard me uh, drone on about this before. Um, But this, to me, I feel uh, is so, and I feel like a lot. there's a lot of variables that are uh, in play here. But I think one of the most significant ones is that prior to this situation in years past, there has been the ability for Israel to essentially control the narrative. Um, Everybody was just getting their information mostly from Western mainstream media in Western countries. um, And they are just nothing more than mouthpieces for Israel. They are just, uh, uh, they they just print or say whatever Israel tells them to print or say. Uh, Now I feel like with social media being such a uh, game changer, essentially, um, we now have Uh, the ability in real time to watch what's happening, first of all, and second of all, to debunk the lies coming out of Israel. And I feel like that has shifted the game so significantly. And I feel like, um, uh, to me, there's no going back after this one, right? And I don't know what that means necessarily. Obviously, this situation continues to be horrific. There still continues to be an unbelievable amount of death and destruction. Uh, uh, Palestinians are still very much um, uh, under siege, um, and it's horrific to watch that play out. But what I think is um, uh, been made clear is that Zionism is on life support. I don't think that there, uh, as you mentioned, there's this. I don't think that there is the support that there used to be for that position. And I think every single day that this situation continues, that can that that support continues to fade. What do you think about that? And obviously, we need to also give credit to the incredibly brave journalists on the ground in Gaza who, despite knowing that they are being targeted for assassination as well as their families, um, they remain, they stay, they're covering the situation day in and day out. Um, And I think that that has also done a tremendous uh, amount in terms of um, exposing people to the reality of the situation that I think a lot of people before were just completely unaware of. Yeah, I mean, those those people are unbelievably brave. Over 100 of them have been killed. Um, and so, you know, they are, I mean, talk about not only are they not fleeing harm's way, they're actually putting themselves in harm's way on purpose, knowing there's a very good chance that they will never come out of harm's way. Um, so yes, I mean, unbelievable courage on, on their part to get the word out, but also now in, you know, the age of cell phones, everybody can be a journalist, you know, and that's part of what you're talking about there. Part of the reason why the the truth is coming out is because people can post to social media every day. I mean, I know you you've seen things and posted things that you wish you hadn't seen that, you know, most people go a whole lifetime without seeing, you know, most people, yeah. most people here in America, at least, uh, you know, go many years of their lives without ever seeing a dead child. Never mind seeing 20, 30 dead children a day on your social media feed. And so, yeah, that's part of why they are losing control of the narrative. And um, and in terms of just overall support for Zionism, 
Um, I do think Zionism as a concept is on life support because people just see how superstitious an idea this is. Uh, how how many people are going to have to die because Israel needs a homeland where they have it now? Um, I'm a Jewish man. I get along fine here in the state of New York. I don't think the Jews need a state of our own to keep us from being persecuted or genocided or massacred. So I, I don't buy into Zionism as a concept. I, I think it's silly to say that we need a state of our own that is a Jewish state, which by nature must be a discriminatory state. And if you yeah. don't, if you think I'm a, I'm a radical for saying this, I am paraphrasing the words of John Kerry, hardly a radical. When John Kerry was Obama's secretary of state, he said quite famously at the time, because this ruffled a lot of feathers, he said, Israel can either be a Jewish state or a democratic state. It cannot be both. Um, meaning, if you are going to exist as a state, you have to grant, grant pardon me, equal rights to everyone in that state in order to call yourselves plausibly a democratic nation. Um, but if the Jews did need a state after World War II, um, you had this country called Germany, which not only did the crime, but was actually split up post-World War II. So you had the perfect opportunity to um, right that wrong by giving the Jews their own states on German land if you wanted to. Instead, they decided they would push a bunch of brown people who had nothing to do with the crimes of Nazi Germany whatsoever off of their lands to atone for the sins of the Third Reich. And so it is uh, an extremely outrageously racist idea in its yes. very conception that we are going to make a bunch of Arabs pay for the crimes of the expansionist Nazi state. Um, so I think people are waking up to that and they're just seeing the brutality um, that comes with the enforcement of this Zionist state, which was ill-conceived from the get-go. And, uh, you know, it's not as complicated as people think. That's the other thing. You know, um, most politics are pretty complicated. Most people get intimidated by the complexity of geopolitical conflicts. Um, but it doesn't take that long to look at this and figure out which way is up. You know, obviously it yeah. takes time and dedication to become an expert on anything. But you don't have to be an expert on this to understand right and wrong. And I think yeah. that's part of why uh, they're having a hard time sort of keeping this narrative uh, in one piece. 100%. I'm so glad you said that because I uh, have been saying that as well. This one, to me, is one of the most black and white, easy to understand, very clear cut cases um, of any situation ever. I mean, it is so unbelievably apparent that there is an oppressor and there are the oppressed. And it is not, right. it could not be more clear which is which, and it could not be more clear which is right and which is wrong. Uh, and listen, that's not to say that, um, uh, you know, as you said, October 7th, that wasn't a great situation. Obviously, I don't like any violence. I am incredibly anti-war. I don't like any uh, situation that arises where innocent people are hurt, where civilians are hurt. Um, and I, it's it sucks. Right. But it there's it, it couldn't. I try to put myself in the position of Palestinians, which is difficult. Obviously, I'm a very privileged Western white woman. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I am quite comfortable here in Ohio. I, I, I could not even begin to conceive of the things 
that they've had to deal with over the course of their lives. But when I just look at the situation with any amount of humanity whatsoever um, and try to examine that uh, from their position, if I were in Gaza and I had been held in an open air concentration camp for decades and my kids were, uh, you know, uh, uh, the targets of snipers where they have the potential to have their legs taken out, um, where, you know, they're uh, limiting the amount of food where Israel literally did studies to decide or to figure out how the caloric intake that was necessary yep. just for survival. And then that is the only food that they allowed into Gaza. If I lived yep. in that situation, you bet your ass I'm fighting back, Keaton. You bet your ass I'm fighting back. There's no question about it. And so the idea that you have these people out here uh, wagging their finger at Hamas, do you condemn Hamas? No, no, I do not. And the reason why is because I cannot even possibly um, uh, uh, begin to tell them how they are allowed or permitted to fight back against their oppressor. They're allowed to fight back. They are allowed to resist. In international law, they have the legal right to fight back against their occupier, period. Um, and so it's not my job or my duty to tell them how they go about doing that. I would never um, begin to be so brazen or um, uh, egotistical to think that I have the ability to do so. It is absurd. Um, and I can just tell you that if I were in that situation and I was living there and my kids were in that position, there's no doubt in my mind I would fight back. And I think almost any, most, I think all of us. Every single human being on planet Earth, if put in that situation, would also fight back. Now, you can argue over which tactics are better, which is more effective, what's, what Hamas did, the right thing to do. You can argue that until you're blue in the face. It doesn't matter. You're not there. You don't get to make those decisions. And so to me, it's it's just so unbelievably clear uh, that this situation has uh, it's I mean, your occupier and occupied. That's it. And it's that it's it's so frustrating to me that so many people are incapable of seeing that. So, OK, we got to take another quick break. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The publication The Hill had a blog today. Uh, what do you call these things now? Blogs? Articles? I don't even know. But uh, the title of it is the Defense Department must ditch its delusional approach to climate. Which is interesting because about three months ago, I wrote a blog on CFAC that said that this whole climate situation is based on deception, distortion, and delusion. In any case, it is a very, very interesting article. So if you Google the hill and then Google that title, the Defense Department must ditch its delusional approach to climate, you'll get to read the gist of it. But this is obvious. This is absolutely out of the realm of what the Defense Department is supposed to do. Suppose there's going to be a rise of four or five inches on the ocean over the next 50 to 100 years. How is a department that's supposed to be concerned with the defense of a country supposed to be reacting to that since whatever you want to call it, it's a natural threat or it's not like they're armaments that are actually being shot at the United States. But this is what has happened today. We have people that are basing policy on distorted deceptions, and yes, they are delusional. And the problem is that with the United States supposedly the leader of the free world, and we have these people like John Kerry and Al Gore and a lot of politicals saying this stuff, you're really putting the nation in peril. And if you put our nation in peril, well, what happens if you need us? Anyway, if you can, take a look at the article, okay? This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got.
Around here, bushfire is just a part of life. We've been through it before, and we'll get through it again. The people here all look out for each other. We're a community that does its bit to plan and prepare, to keep everyone safe. We live with bushfire, so we live bushfire ready. You're with Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here with my pal, Keaton Weiss from Do Dissidents. Amazing show. Head over, check it out. They're on all the platforms everywhere, all over the place. Uh, so go to, or try to stay away from YouTube. They're terrible. By the way, really quickly, speaking of YouTube, I mentioned this, um, I think, earlier this week. Our pals over at Hardlands Media are dealing with some shenanigans on YouTube. Um, uh, go uh, to Hardlands Media on Twitter. Um, they've been tweeting about it relentlessly. And add your voice to that fight. Um, the more noise we make, make about it, uh, the more likely YouTube will be to rectify the situation. Uh, Indeed. Still unlikely, but we'll see. We'll see if they actually do anything about it. Okay. Um, so I also wanted to talk to you, too, about the... Um, unbelievable shenanigans coming out of Israel, the unbelievable lies, the atrocity propaganda they've been using. In fact, uh, just yesterday, this, it may, it, I shouldn't laugh, but it's just so ridiculous. I couldn't help but laugh. They tweeted out this ridiculous video. And then the caption that they added to their tweet says, Hamas targets civilians on both sides. Israel targets Hamas terrorists. Unlike the terrorist organizations we face, Israel has been and will always be committed to the rule of law and international law. This is our way since when keaton since when they've killed what it's, i think we're nearing thirty thousand. maybe we've crossed thirty thousand. uh mostly civilians 70 percent of those women and children uh since when do you only target terrorists and since when do you care at all about a, a rule of law or international law it's ridiculous that anybody buys this yeah absolutely and and this this relates to what you were saying before the break because we were on a break i had time to do a little bit of quick math so when we say that when you rightly said that yes under international law occupied persons have a right to armed resistance that's true now what the zionists would fire back is well they don't have the right under international law to target civilians that's also true so let's do some math so first they said 1400 israelis were killed on october 7th then they lowered that number to 1200 we then found out that 200 of those were actually killed by the idf because they fired into the crowd at the music festival and accidentally killed some of their own so that brings the number of total deaths on october 7th at hamas's hands down to 1000 we've then confirmed we've since confirmed that of those thousand deaths at the hands of hamas on october 7th 373 of them at least were israeli security forces meaning they were not civilian targets those were military targets which under international law yes uh the, you do have the right to target military targets so th that means that if out of a thousand uh killed on october 7th 373 were israeli security forces that means hamas killed a little over 600 civilians on october 7th a little over 600 that's about 62 to 63 percent of the deaths on october 7th were civilians now by israel's own admission their own admission and this number is almost certainly ridiculously low but by israel's own admission 61 percent of casualties in Gaza as a result of the Israeli response have been civilians. So you have, according to Israel's own numbers, the same exact ratio of mm -hmm. civilian to combatant 
deaths on the battlefield. But Israel will tell you we're not targeting civilians Hamas is. When once again, by their own numbers, the ratio is exactly even. So now you're being yeah. asked to take Israel's word that they're not doing it on purpose when they are setting up snipers outside of hospitals, instructing the IDF uh, forces to shoot anything that moves inside the hospital. They lied about Al-Shifa Hospital. They said it was a Hamas uh command center the washington post did their own investigation saying no it wasn't um they have leveled refugee camps to the ground knowing that they would kill hundreds of children and women in those refugee camps so the numbers again this is if you take israel's numbers at face value are the same in terms yeah. of civilian non-civilian casualties and by numbers i mean percentages ratios because obviously the gross body count is way out of whack 1200 versus now almost 30,000. And yeah. so there's some quick math. So the idea that they are not targeting civilians and that they are abiding by international law is just a joke on its face. Yep. And the excuse that they will use though is that oh well Hamas uses human shields, which has been debunked time and time and time again. And in fact, we have seen evidence uh, just since October 7th that Israel, in fact, is the one using human shields where they took a bunch of civilians captive, tried to claim that they were Hamas terrorists and then paraded them into uh, potentially dangerous situations as human shields. We've seen video evidence for that. And I, I keep I keep saying to people, every Israeli accusation is actually just a confession. Every time sure. that they, uh, uh, they lobby a, 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 an accusation against Hamas or against Gazans, it is almost certain that that is because Israel is in fact itself guilty of doing that thing. And it is, it's, that's what's so frustrating about this. And it's not even just that it's, um, they have been, how many lies, blatant lies have they been caught telling just since October 7th? And that's not even talking about the decades of lies that came before October 7th. I know that, uh, Israelis like to pretend that history started on October 7th and everything happened in a vacuum since then. Uh, that's not the case. But even if you just look at the examples, uh, uh from October 7th on, I mean, I mean, it is literally dozens of major monster lies that they have of been course. caught red-handed with. Uh, the beheaded babies, the accusations of mass rape that took place on October 7th. We're now starting to see that uh, be stripped away and that to be completely debunked. Uh, a lot of people are doing great work. I've, uh, Gray Zone, I gave credit to earlier. Uh, Max and Aaron have been doing a phenomenal job, a, a job of taking apart that those Indeed. accusations bit by bit. Um, but the, I mean, those are just two examples. I mean, we could continue. As you said, Al-Shifa is another example of, uh, of lies that they were telling it's just it's over and over and over again they've been caught in so many lies and a lot of those lies are being told atrocity propaganda in order to justify um the gross um slaughter of civilians on mass in gaza and i think that that is what and that's why i mean it's no different when the the beheaded baby stories is a great example the minute i heard that i thought right incubator babies uh-huh i totally right. yeah, that's what everybody yeah that yes. came to everybody's yeah. mind Yes. Even if they do use human shields, okay? Let's say I grant you, yes, Hamas uses human shields. I want Israel sympathizers to ask themselves this. Let's say a domestic terrorist organization here in the United States commandeered a hospital, right? They made it their command center. Um, would you be okay with your government bombing that hospital, cutting off the power in that hospital, laying siege upon that hospital, setting Great point. Uh, National Guard units up outside the hospital with the instructions to shoot anything that moves inside the hospital, whether it's a doctor, a woman, or a child? No. 
No. You would not be okay with that because you would say, even if there are terrorists in the hospital using the patients and the doctors in that hospital as human shields, we still have an obligation not to slaughter the innocent people in that hospital. The human shield yes. excuse is not an excuse. Would we tolerate that? No. The closest parallel you can get to what I'm talking about would be Waco, where you say, well, the government did attack in Waco. They attacked in Waco and they got a lot of help for it, number one. Number two, the government took that action in Waco after a 53-day standoff. They did not yeah. immediately attack that building. Um, and so even the human shield argument, is it is still not an excuse to just treat civilian life as if it is totally disposable, which is what they do. I made yes. this point on the Jimmy Dore show when I sat in. We didn't even bomb the bin Laden compound. Think about that. We knew Osama bin Laden was in the building. We could have blown that building into a million pieces. We just could have had a plane fly over it. Boom. No more building. No more bin Laden. Look at what we did. We landed the SEAL Team 6 helicopters very silently, and then they had a hiccup, and it almost blew the cover. We sent people in there with guns. Why? Because there were other people in the building who we yes. didn't want to blow to smithereens, even if it meant killing bin Laden. And so that just, to me, takes that whole human shields argument just right apart. Um, yes. it, that's not a legitimate argument. Even if you're correct, there is still no excuse to level refugee camps, to bomb schools, to lay siege upon hospitals. There is no excuse for that under any circumstance. No. To use dumb bombs. They're using dumb bombs, which are called dumb bombs for a reason. They indiscriminately uh, explode and kill anybody in the vicinity. Or white phosphorus. We know they're using white phosphorus. And just on the uh, issue of human shields, for those people who are like, oh, that's not been debunked, it has. Um, and I think one of the best examples of uh, that coverage is probably from Abby Martin on Empire Files. Um, she did it years ago. I mean, this has been debunked for a very long time. This claim has been debunked for a very long time. Uh, but Abby Martin did a great job of exposing uh, the ridiculous of the human shields. One of my favorite things about that is, is that they will often just use as their evidence uh, that Hamas uses human shields is like these graphics of a building that is, uh, you know, um, uh, civilian infrastructure, and then they'll make a part of it red on the graphic know, yeah. and be like, that's Hamas. And look, they're using this uh, civilian infrastructure as their command center. It's a graphic. It's a, it's a animation. Like yeah. it, it's not yeah. your readable. art projects are not evidence. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Arts and crafts are not evidence, my friends. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, and they do that on so many uh, situations. And I think that that's, I think that speaks to a little bit of what I was talking about earlier. That their ability to um, control that narrative and to just put out those graphics and have them, uh, you know, go by unchecked and unchallenged. I think that time has long passed. And I think a lot of people now um, have been exposed to the truth about the situation, the historical context about the situation. We've been so many people were lied to um, about the reality of what happened over the past 70 years, 70 plus years, really much longer than that. But um, but I think so many people have now had their eyes open to to what actually is going on here and i think that um that's what i'm that's what i mean i just i think that we're now well past the point of no return that there is just no 
Um, I, and I, I honestly can't, I don't know what that looks like. I'm terrified for the people of Gaza. I'm terrified for the people of the West Bank. Um, obviously, they, uh, the assaults continue unabated and with full Western backing and support. Um, so well, it, there's obviously nothing left to go back to. I mean, and that right, that's right. really the goal. I mean, yes. one other piece of propaganda sort of hidden in plain sight that a lot of people haven't thought critically about until perhaps now is this line. Well, we warned the people before we're going to bomb yeah. an area. Well, if you warn the civilians, you're going to bomb the area and make it known to them that they have to leave. Aren't you also warning Hamas that they have to right? leave? <laughs> so doesn't that take the whole point of the bombing away? If you're actually out to kill terrorists and you warn the area that you're going to bomb, aren't you also warning the terrorists? It's almost like the point is not to kill terrorists. The point is to get the Palestinians off of that land, which Israel has been trying to do since 1948, and claim it for yourself, which is what they've done in yes. the northern part of the Gaza Strip. Um, that is unlivable at that at this point. That is a post-apocalyptic hellscape at this point. There's nothing yeah. there. And now Israel is already starting to talk about relocating the people. Voluntary migration, they're called voluntary. You blow yeah. up someone's house <laughs> and force them out, and you call that voluntary migration. No, they're yeah. talking about relocating the people, claiming that land for themselves, uh, which I think they will succeed in doing. And to, you know, answer your question, well, what does this look like? This looks like a, a years long, decades long project of getting some justice for what has happened. I said yeah. on October 7th, this is probably the end of Gaza. Uh, that's a that's a tragedy. That's a horrible thing to say. But I said it's probably too late for Gaza at this point. They're going to just wipe everything out and kill anyone who's in their way. And that's exactly what they've done. It didn't take an expert on the subject to know that that was going to happen. I'm yeah. not an expert on the subject. And I called that because it was obvious. Um, but now the the goal is to get justice for this. And there will be justice for this. Israel is not going to get away with this. They will be a pariah on the world stage for decades to come because of this, because now you're actually starting to see I means the South Africa lawsuit is a symbolic step, but it's a first step. And there is some weight behind that. South Africa yeah. is now part of the BRICS partnership, which is an international alliance against the bullying of Israel and the West. And so it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen in time to save Gaza. And that's a horribly tragic thing to, to think. Um, but that's probably true. Um, but what's also probably true What's also definitely true is that it falls to the world now to get justice for this. And that means yeah. making Israel a pariah state and seeing to it that this actually means never again. Never again doesn't just mean never again for the Jews. Never again means never again for everyone. That's what I thought. I mean, apparently I was misinformed. I thought never again meant never again, period. End of story for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, clearly, I was mistaken because it meant never again um, just for Jewish people. Because uh, And it's so the psychology behind, um, you know, and this, this is a whole rabbit hole that I don't know why I'm talking about it two minutes before we're done. But the idea, the psychology behind the Jewish people um, going from what happened to them to being the perpetrators of what happened to them on another people is something that I uh, I just it's difficult for me to be able to wrap my head around. Uh, that's uh, it's uh, that concept is just beyond my ability to comprehend that anybody would be okay 
uh, with taking part in that and having uh, your religion. And obviously, I know you're not uh, one of those people, but um, having your religion co-opted and weaponized in that way uh, to do something like this that is so horrific is just a, it's beyond my ability to comprehend. And uh, as you said, this has never been about Hamas. It's never been about ending Hamas. It has always been about a land grab and a power grab and a resource grab, which that's what all wars is or all wars are. Um, but the, the idea that uh, it's about ending, you don't end Hamas by indiscriminately bombing a bunch of civilians. That's how you recruit for Hamas. That is how you ensure that Hamas continues in perpetuity forever and ever and ever. Because the people you are bombing now, the children you are orphaning right now, they are going to grow up and they are going to join the resistance. Uh, that is how Hamas was able to rise to power in the first place. So, yeah, all of this is um, uh, very complicated. It's very sad, very tragic. And I think you're right. I think it's probably too late for Gaza, which is uh, painful to say out loud. But I think that that is probably the reality of the situation. But there will be justice. I, I genuinely do think that as well. Um, I think that we... Uh, the, I don't think that there's a way that we can continue in this world without there being justice for what's happening right now. So um, it's just unfortunate that that's going to take some time. So Keaton, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you as always. Um, I love our conversations. Everybody, please check out Do Dissidents. They're a fantastic show. You can find them on all of the platforms. You can check them out on Twitter at Do Dissidents. Uh, you obviously, you can find links to all of that stuff over on my Substack for a quick one-stop shop to support their work. Um, uh, all right. I'll be back on Monday with a whole new host of shows for you. Definitely tune in for that as julian assange says learn challenge act now and don't go anywhere timothy shays right after this right here on today's news talk